Welcome to Fusion Live, a podcast ministry from young adults to young adults searching for people to connect with and a purpose to live out. We're coming to you from Christian Assembly Church in Eagle Rock, California, and we're excited that you've decided to take this journey with us. Welcome to Fusion Live. This episode of Daily Bread, I'm lucky enough to be here with Manakshi and Hiro. Hey, what's up, guys? Good morning. Good morning. And we're starting a new book, which is always exciting to me. We're in the prophets. It's different. We have to unpack it. We have to unpack how it's written. But I am looking forward to see what God has for us. I'm glad you're able to join us wherever you are listening. And would someone be willing, I believe, Hiro, yes. will you give us a chapter overview as we start this new book? Yes, I would be so honored to give you guys a chapter overview of the book of Job. I'm not Job. We're in Joel. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm my words there. Oh, man. So if you guys have been following along with us, uh, we just finished the book of Haggai, which is right after um, pretty much the end of the exile of, of Israel, after the 17 years of them being in Babylon and all that, pretty much that stuff. Uh, so we got into a time time machine. So now we're going back in time and now we're in the book of Joel, uh, which is way before that those events took place. Um, but specifically the prophet Joel, he's talking to the to the southern kingdom of Judah and he pretty much starts off by saying in verse two, hear this, you elders, listen, everyone that lives in the land has anything like this ever happened in your days or in your ancestors. And pretty much what's going on is that there's a there's pretty much this big wave of like locusts that are uh, bringing destruction, uh, getting uh, destroying all the crops, the vegetation and everything. So it's just pretty much creating this massive drought in the land of Judah and and. Uh, Pretty much Joel calls for uh, a wake-up call. He says, hey, wake up, you drunkards. In verse 5, weep. He says, wake up, all you drinkers of wine. He says, uh, uh, pretty much this wave of destruction has came, has has invaded the land. Um, it, it pretty much he descri- goes into the detail uh, in verse 6 by saying that it has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste on the vines, the fig trees. So in other words, things are pretty bad. Like, it's pretty bad. Um, nothing like never before. Um and then we, so then Joel goes into more detail about how the people of the land are mourning, they're lamenting, they're weeping uh, because of this destruction that's going on in their land. Um, and then in verse 13, uh, in a moment where their joy is like the people's joy has withered away, uh, Joel calls all the priests, all the elders in the land to uh, everyone who pretty much ministers before the altar to come um, and declare a holy fast and to call sacred assembly. So in other words, get everyone together. We're going to go on a fast. We're going to go, we're going to make ourselves right with God. Um, and we're going to come to the house of the Lord and we're just going to cry out to God uh, for the day of the Lord is near. Um, and then, uh, and then it, so then pretty much right here is more of a prayer where in verse 16, we're, we're pretty much uh, reading about how has not the food been cut off before our very eyes joy and gladness from the house of our of our god so it's just this call of, of prayer and anguishing um from the people of god to the lord and then in verse 19 this is where joel uh directly so pretty much the first 18 verses have been joel talking to the people of judah now in verse 19 he's talking to god himself he says to you lord i call for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness the flames have burned up all the trees of the field even the wild animals pan for you. The steams of waters have dried up and the fire has devoured the pasture in the wilderness. 
right here is where the chapter ends. But in other words, Joel says, hey, God, like this is a really bad situation, but you're you're a God of mercy. There's hope in you and you're, and you're going to be the only person that's going to get us out of this. So. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much Joel chapter one. That was great. That was a great. Yeah, that was really good. Great job, Hiro. Thank you. Thank you. This is a this is not my my cup of tea a lot because it's poetry. I, I always I always struggled reading poetry in, in elementary. So so po- poetry is a challenging genre in scripture because it's still so much part of a narrative like this is. But there's so much more in depth to like how yes. the prophecy or what's being shared is spoken about. But Hiro, I love what you said at the end, because it just reminded me that even though, you know, this is pre-exile, right? So Joel is speaking to um, the kingdom of Judah at this time, and they're split from Israel, which is the northern, Judah is the southern. And he's speaking to these people who have, you know, turned away from the Lord, and he's calling them back to repent. And it's just so interesting that like Joel himself is one who, you know, as a prophet is following after the Lord, but living in this time period where like destruction and famine and things are happening around him. But because he has kingdom eyes, he's able to see with so much hope and like who God is and and the mercy that he is able to, you know, kind of, kind of give. So yeah, it just reminds me that like we see so much around us, but with kingdom eyes, we're also able to see the hope at the same time. Um, and that's really powerful for Joel to be like, come on, like do this thing, like repent, like put on the sackcloth more. And like, there's so much more that God has. Um, and we are like essentially in the boat of doing the same thing, even up till today. So, so good. I, I also like the this the truth that here, Joel, some of the other things we've read, you know, it's like, here's this sin that you do and you should repent of it or like kind of calling people out. And here we see it kind of a different story of kind of destruction coming on the land. Or I when I think about it myself, I think of like storms in our life that come along. And in that his response is repent, look at these things, turn make these changes wake up like the the lord is actually bringing this onto you guys it's not like like the lord has something in this and he's saying like let's not miss the storm let's not miss this thing repent turn and in verse three he says tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation and i it's again this truth of like yeah we all are going to make our choices and we're going to you know sin and repent and that's gonna be part of my story but like even in this i was thinking kind of a bigger picture of like the lord's been pursuing his people and like so that's our story and we see that the lord will do anything to bring you back to truth to bring you back in line with what god has for you and so i just love that this is it's like to a whole people but it's also like can are you seeing what god's doing yeah that's good. Are you seeing what God's doing? I love that. So good. And I think one of the things that I, I love about this chapter is is because um, God doesn't really hide the fact that like it's it's like God doesn't make himself unknown, like like letting the people of Israel know like, hey, this is why this is going on. It's because of sin. It's because of your of, of your actions. It's because of the choices that you are making. So um and in a way, like, 
I feel like us as followers of Jesus, we need to read passages like this to know that God does take sin in our lives very serious. He, it, oh, it's, yeah. it's a serious thing. And um, But the thing on the other side about it is like, if this is taken out of context, then I, I believe as believers, we, we get this like, uh, this misconception that God is a, a person that hates sin, that he hates people like as a result of that. And it's like, this is not true at all. Like um, if we look at it, this, this actually gives me hope as a believer. It's like, man, like I could take a hold of my life. I can take a hold of the sin in my life, the choices that I make and, and hope for a better tomorrow by just placing my faith in Jesus. And, um, and that's just one of the things that I love is like in verse 14, the, Joel calls all the elders of the church. He says, Hey, declare a holy fast. And in other words, like make prayer and petition at the, at the forefront of, of like, make it a priority in your life, like to get yourselves right with God, like, um, and to get everyone in the community together. So I just, I love that when he says call a sacred assembly, because, um, how often in our lives do we want to tackle hardships? How often do we want to tackle some of the mistakes that we make in, in our lives by ourselves? It just, most of the time, I think 90% of the time, it just doesn't go well. Like you end up making even more, you dig a bigger hole than, than the hole that you started with. And um, so I just love that, like getting people together, get the community together, summon the elders, like seek wise counsel, get some leaders in your life um, involved and as of one community, he says, get to the house of the Lord and just cry out to God as one community. So, um, Jairo, that's such a good observation. And really like that verse 14, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. I just like everything you're saying that like when things get hard, mm -hmm. this is our response. Turn to prayer, turn to your yeah. community yeah. and don't take yeah. it alone. Yeah, I had written in, in my Bible on the side when things get hard, then an arrow like this, because that's what this chapter is about, right? Like yeah. things in this community are not well. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about what that means and what that looks like. But he's telling us how to respond because yeah. life is not easy. There will be things. Yeah. No, for sure. I love when when scriptures like, yeah, we're reading this chapter that's poetry and whatnot. But there's still something super simple about it, about like what to turn to and who to turn to and what to do when you're in a drought or you're in this like, I need to repent or, you know, I'm I'm like I'm in this sin and I need to get out of it. Like, here's what to do is like what we're given. And even though written through poetry, there's still something super simple about it, which I love. Well, and the thing about poetry, too, is the imagery like the, yeah. the pictures that the things that God can kind of say to our hearts that aren't just words. And yeah. an example of that is in verse seven, when it talks about, he, he's describing all this destruction. He's describing this hardship in life and it has stripped off the bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. And this picture of like a, a tree or a branch in a storm being beat up and kind of the winds are blowing and it's stripping away the bark and it's removing something and it's leaving that branch white and, mm. and like cleaned. And like yeah. and, and in Devo's this morning, Gatlin had said, you know, white is a, a picture of purity, yeah. a picture of like holiness. And so I just, cause I, I've, someone had said to me once, like, don't let the storms pass by without like getting what God has for you in that. And I just think this imagery of the branch and that like, yes, hard things come. Yes, the storm has come, but it's stripping away things to make you pure, to to make you white as snow. 
and that's so, so good and that comes from the poetry like yeah that, it's not that it says that you will be stripped right. away you will be made pure but this picture of a branch gives you that yeah and I love how what you said about that like speaking to your heart because if it was written so literally like that's so much I think that's so much harder to take in rather than the poetry being like it's still firm and strong in what is being said but it's also gentle to the way your soul like receives that and is able to like visually experience that too so good and I think God speaks in imagery a lot oh yeah sure it makes sense that there's poetry along the way and yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man Another question that had come up this morning in Devo's that we are probably unqualified to talk about, but we can try, (laughs) (laughs) was this reference to the day of the Lord and, and what is the day of the Lord and what does that mean when we see that written in scripture and Bo gave us a great overview and was talking about how the day of the Lord was seen as moments where the presence of the Lord, where God's wrath, where God's justice encountered his people or the people and we can look at different things from our past they're storms there are these moments of like no longer can god hold back like in an act of love there's justice to be had or plagues or big movements in these encounters but so in verse 15 it says alas for the day is that right alas for the day last for the day for the day of the lord is near and so the question of like have we experienced the day of the lord is the day of the lord coming is the day of the lord end times and i just loved bo's answer that like the day of the lord is more than one moment and really we can look because we can see into the future into the new testament that that like clarify that just a little bit (laughs) well I mean, this idea of like, are we waiting for the end times? Are we waiting for this judgment seat? But we know that there was a day of the Lord when Jesus was on the cross and yeah. God's wrath came onto him and that this was taken care of. And yet there still is a day of the Lord coming. Yeah. And so I was just thinking as Bo was sharing about it, like it's that both and. We have stories of days of the Lord in the Old Testament. We know there's a day of the Lord when the wrath comes on Jesus and we believe there's more in the future to come. And so, yeah, that's great. That's literally exactly what my study notes say. It's this like understanding the day of the Lord to be these three different experiences in scripture of the present of what is to come. And then the future of, you know, even what we're still waiting for, for Jesus to return again. So I feel like every time I read the day of the Lord in scripture now, like I want to pick out, not pick out, but like understand even more like, okay, which part of the day of the Lord is this and how am I receiving that today too? So good. You did great, Lindsay. That's a great explanation. You're totally, totally qualified. Well, and I was just thinking it's really like you just said, it's more about like, how often do we just read past it? And we're like, I don't really know what that means, but like to stop and be like, can we talk about what the day of the Lord is? And even we, we know from, from what's coming more in Joel, we're going to talk about the day of the Lord more. And so you can join us as we continue on in this reading and like continue to ask that question because we don't know all the answers about specifics, but I think we do read over them and just think, I don't 
need to understand that. Yeah. And that's, what's so powerful about studying scripture and doing it in community is like, you start to pick up on these things that you would have never picked up on before, or like understand, like there's certain words that I circle or highlight now. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know, I know what that means. Or I know where that comes from because we've talked about it. Otherwise, like, like new wine is one of those things, one of those phrases that like, I would have never known about. And now anytime I read it in scripture, I'm like, Oh, even if I don't exactly in that moment, pick up what it means, circling it or highlighting it is always super helpful to know. Like when I come back and like read it again or read it somewhere else, I'll know where to make that connection to like, kind of bring it all together. So, so what do you know about new wine now that you've dropped that on everyone listening? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. In one sentence. In one sentence. Um, oh man, I haven't brushed up on this in a long time. Like, you don't have, I was just thinking like, that's, that's another great example. Like the, the day of the Lord, like we just read it. We don't, and like new wine, like I just read it and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think from what I remember, I don't remember if this was in, I think it was in Matthew. Um, but if I'm right, it's connecting to basically the the crucifixion and the blood of Jesus and like his blood being poured out for us is that is that new wine like you know that's I think if I'm understanding that correctly when we take communion it's always tied to wine and and bread um because that wine is in connection to that being like the blood of Christ and it being new and us being made new um so anytime like even in in old testament it says Verse five, wake up you drunkards and weep, wail all you drinkers of wine, wail because of the new wine for it has been snatched from your lips. Like the new wine in this, if I'm understanding it is referencing to, to Jesus and what is to come. And like, if you don't repent, if you don't turn away, like that new wine, that experience of real, true living water life will be taken from you. So that's so good. And there's even a reference to the new wine in this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a great explanation and and just what you said to grab those moments yeah they're talking about something that's coming they're talking about new life they're talking about what could be and that's good yeah it always somehow points back to the gospel and Jesus and like each time that that happens there's at least for me like a deeper understanding and meaning to the gospel which just makes it all that more powerful of like what what the truth of that message and what happened is like for my life and for others who are believers too and at the last supper jesus says when you drink wine remember these like you putting that together and seeing the new wine anywhere and grabbing it like jesus basically it was like one of the things he told us to do was to do when you drink this remember that Mm. this is what it means that's good Man, what a great conversation this morning. Thanks for joining us. If uh, there's anything that you took away from our discussion, take the fact that repentance actually leads to freedom and experiencing that new wine. So if there's something in your heart that you haven't repented from, remember that repentance is ongoing. It's actively choosing to walk the other direction. So if there's something in your life that you've Um, experienced over and over again and need to take a new step in the other direction, take that step, invite um, somebody elder than you, somebody wiser who can walk with you at the same time. And remember that the day of the Lord is near. And as believers, we get to experience the hope of that new day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Fusion Live. 
If you are interested in getting connected with us, follow us on Instagram at CAFusion and DM us with any questions or Zoom information.